This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 22, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. One top-tier American rating agency has already downgraded U.S. debt issues. It's Egan Jones. A key reason for the downgrade, not thrashing over the debt ceiling. It's the U.S. debt-to-GDP ratio and an unwillingness to cut spending. Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. For many decades, for the bulk of the 20th century, there were three, sometimes four, and then back to three credit rating agencies since uh, reforms adopted in 2001 and 2006, I think, there are now uh, 10 or 11 rating agencies? That, that's correct. You've had, over time, a variety of rating agencies that have come into play. That You have had the dominant three that have been around since the, almost 100 years for some of them. Uh, after changes, both in Sarbanes-Oxley uh, in 2002 and in the Credit, Form, Credit Rating Agent Reform Act of 2006, you had some changes, particularly in the, the 2006 Act, to try to increase competition, bring more rating agencies into the process. Now, a lot of these rating agencies existed beforehand, but they were not nationally recognized statistical rating organizations. It's an incredibly important caveat. We have had a number of rating rating agencies that have been out there, that have been in the marketplace, but again, are not recognized by the Securities and Exchange Commission, and they're not recognized in a way that would allow them to be broadly used by broker-dealers or by commercial banks. Uh, and often, one of the, the primary reason that they're recognized is in the setting of capital requirements for both investment commercial banks and even insurers, the uh, state insurance commissioners use these ratings as well. And so what happens is the regulators would go into a bank, for instance, and look at the loans on its books, the bonds on its books. And for those that are rated a certain, uh, if it's AAA, AA, the capital they'd have to hold against it would be related to the rating. So again, if you used one of these non-recognized rating agencies, you could still use that. You could still you know, take that information into mind to decide whether you wanted to hold an asset or not, but it would not count in terms of being able to lower your capital. Egan Jones Ratings Company is one of the rating agencies that has become a nationally recognized statistical rating organization. On July 16th of this year, they downgraded U.S. debt from AAA to AA+. They said, quote, the major factor driving credit quality is a relatively high level of debt and the difficulty in significantly cutting spending. We are taking a negative action, not based on the delay in raising the debt ceiling, but rather our concern about the high level of debt to GDP in excess of 100% compared to Canada's 35%. So the crisis in the United States with regard to the credibility of U.S. debt, at least as far as Egan Jones is concerned, is not the inability or frustration with which Congress is raising or not raising the debt ceiling. It is the debt itself. And I, and I, and I think that's absolutely correct. Uh, you cannot look at our fiscal situation, we have our long-term fiscal situation, and not think that the uh, U.S. government is heading to either default or a backdoor default in terms of debasement. Uh, and what I mean by that is paying foreign borrowers back in dollars worth than the dollars that they borrowed. And of course, I consider that a form of default. So we aren't moving toward any sort of long-term fiscal sustainability, regardless of what happens August 2nd or near thereafter, the U.S. is headed toward either a front door or a backdoor debasement default on its debt. And I think it's very hard to, to see that, you know, as anything else, even if we raise the debt ceiling, we aren't changing the underlying fiscal situation. And it's interesting, if you look at how rating agencies rate a company, they look at its cash flow. 
you know, are your debt sustainable? Are you going to be able to pay this? Whereas the major rating agencies, with the exception of a few, including Egan Jones, do look at the federal government differently. There's an assumption, particularly, you often hear that the U.S. can't default because we issue debt in our own currency. And technically, in a legal sense, that is correct. But again, you be able to, you are able to default through a debasement, essentially a print of money. I think it's an interesting difference between Egan Jones and the other nationally recognized rating agencies. Egan Jones is a subscriber model. The investors pay Egan Jones, not the issuer. Uh, and so they've often been quite aggressive. And Egan Jones was also the company, the first rating agency to spot Enron the first rating agency to spot Bear Stern. So they have often been ahead of the curve in terms of the larger rating agencies. And again, part of this, I believe, is that they are paid by their investors, not paid by the issuers of the debt. Uh, and they tend to be quite aggressive in, in terms of actually being contrarian to the market, in my opinion, leading the market. And this is a problem with the, with the more established rating agencies is that they are often quite behind the market, you know, whether a year, 18 months, two years. In term, and you can look at this a variety of measures. I mean, for instance, credit spreads start to move generally long before the rating agencies make a change, which is usually an indication that market participants believe that the risk has changed in the system. So one of the, one of the major problems with the rating agencies is the question of, for the major ones at least, is there really any value added? Are they telling anything? Are they telling you anything the market isn't telling you already? In the case of Lehman Brothers, I believe that that company lost almost all of its shareholder value before its debt was downgraded. The larger rating agency treatment of the largest banks still takes into consideration an opinion that the federal government will bail those banks out. For instance, if you're Bank of America, your rating is actually two notches higher than it would be if we did not believe that the government would bail you out. Uh, and so that has long been a problem. And of course, the rating agency said the same thing about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for a long time as well. So you do get this perception of, you know, what do we think the politics of it, you know, of the organization. So again, you aren't getting a simply rating based on what is the capacity of this organization to actually physically repay its debt, but what if it's, what is its opportunities to essentially have its debt paid by others, the government that is, and the taxpayer that is. So, you know, there's a lot of subjectivity injected in, of course, to some extent, judgment injected into what the ratings are trying to tell you, which again, these often tend to be far beyond, uh, you know, af after the fact, and when the market has already recognized this change, and the ratings tend to be, you know, quite a bit of a delay. Traditionally, as you're talking about, traditionally, rating agencies have, have been compromised, essentially. Their ability to be truly independent uh, has been compromised. You pointed out that Egan Jones uses a subscriber model. Uh, that's not the case for the big, the ones that matter, quote unquote. Well, there's certainly a concern uh, across the board about conflicts of interest, uh, starting in about the mid '70s, which is the time when the Securities Exchange Commission also set forth, you know, what were the seeds of what became the uh, recognized rating organization program. You saw the rating agencies move in the '70s from a investor pays, a subscriber pays model to an issuer pays model. Now, of course, there are lots of explanations that are given for that. Uh, you know, many have quipped that what killed the investor pays model was the creation of the Xerox machine. <laughs> you get a rating, you make copies and sell it to whoever. So there's a lot of reasons. And of course, there are conflicts of interest on both sides. I mean, you hear concerns that, well, issues were shop around for the best rating, uh, you know, and so therefore the rating agencies will try their hardest to make sure that they give good ratings so people come back to them. On the other hand, and I think we've very much seen this played out in the European sovereign debt crisis, when you're an investor, you don't want something you hold to be downgraded. 
for instance, one of the reasons, you know, a lot of the things that has uh, stumbled the sort of Greek bailout is a concern that if the Greek debt is restructured, does that trigger a default by the rating agencies? And if it does, then that would force banks, which are large investors and holders of Greek debt and other sovereign debt, to have to raise more capital. So you have conflicts on both sides, I and mean, there certainly are conflicts from the investor side. There's certainly conflicts from the issuer side. You know, it's always very hard to figure out what's the best way to balance those. Uh, I mean, I tend to have the belief to let the market try to figure out mechanisms for balancing that. And of course, one of the primary ways that any company in the private sector balances those conflicts of interest is to essentially invest in a reputation uh, that can be easily lost. And all of these large rating companies do have a substantial amount of goodwill uh, that they will lose if their credibility is on the line. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.